The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Thursdays here at Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Hope you're doing all right. Hope you're staying bundled up. If some of you are in warmer climates, good for you. I am jealous. Roll call. Let's get it off our chest. Brennan, a second consecutive day in first. Tuck has checked in at number two. Mark is sitting front row as he writes like Dylan last night at the vault. Uh, in at four is Mike. Mike checks in on the stream. And then uh, you have Matt W. getting in here with uh, the fifth spot. So you want to get your name on the radio slash uh, YouTube channel. Uh, be one of the first five for roll call as uh, we salute you for checking in early. 489-1240 numbers to get in with Hale Varsity Radio. And can find us on YouTube, the YouTube channel with Hale Varsity. Subscribe to that. Watch the show with the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. Busy thoughts this first hour. Plenty of room for you to get in. 800-825-5865. We'll check in with Brandon Vogel from Counter Reed. In hour two, we were not working as we've been badgered about that Tuesday. So Mitch Sherman from The Athletic will be with us in hour two. Uh, We'll spend time with Gary Barnett later on in the 5 o'clock hour. Then we'll get some NFL thoughts for your weekend wagers. Uh, Burke's best bets. Danny Burke will round out the show. can email chris at halevarsity.com. So you have some portal things we'll get to, some in-state offers we'll dive into with Nebraska football, some really talented prep, prep kids for the 2025 class. But basketball on our mind. So what fan base would you liken Nebraska basketball to? Think about a pro sports fan or another fan base you are a part of or you know about. I mean, is it, is it fair to go Cub fan pre-World Series? And, and we're not talking about winning or getting to a Final Four or a national championship for Nebraska basketball, but just the, the, the passion and uncertainty that exists with Nebraska basketball fans. They want it so bad, and I love you for it, because growing up in Lincoln, I got to see those great years with Nebraska and Danny Nee and some monster wins. Uh, a tweet last night from Dickie V where, for Kisei Tomanaga. Uh, shouting him out it was 30 years ago and I didn't want to I've only interviewed Dick Vitale once but Dick Vitale would get there early the student section would crowd in at Devaney and Vitale would shoot free throws and he and he would shoot till he missed and he hit 30 in a row it was against Kansas it was ABC Terrence Badgett had a kind of a throwaway dunk that that let the place erupt and 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 Dickie V got the mic 
<laughs> before this free throw contest in, in 92. He's like, hey, man, I'm just down the road from Bradenton. You're going to love that freshman quarterback you got coming in named Tommy Frazier. And then, lo and behold, you know, fast forward 30-plus years, here's uh, Dylan Riola with uh, the uncle and the AD flanking left and right like he's in the shotgun. So pretty pretty monumous, mon- monumental moment last night for Nebraska. How, what are you doing with this win? Let's just start there. What are you doing with this win for Nebraska basketball? Is it a statement win for you with where this basketball team is? Or is it just a nice win? Get back to me after Wisconsin. Get back to me after Purdue. Well, to get back to your original point, Schmitty, what what team professional would you compare this Husker basketball team to? Are you going to go soccer on me? I am not. I am going to go the Cleveland Browns of the past 30 years. Okay. There is no reason. You realize Cleveland made it to the AFC Championship game pre-Baker shoulder injury in 18, I think. Yeah, and Nebraska made it to the NCAA tournament once, and they, they lost that game just like the Browns did. Um, but Vicious mother. There is no reason in the era of the NFL we're in now. Everyone's got the same opportunity in the draft. Everyone's got at least a similar opportunity in free agency. Everyone's got the same salary cap. There's no reason why the Browns should have as many losing seasons as they do over the past 30. What is it, like? 25 or something like that losing season. They constantly the screwed up quarterback. But all I'm saying is there's no reason aside from that. It's a big reason. If, if you call it chance, there seems to be a curse over the Cleveland Browns that they can't get the quarterback right, that they can't get over the hump. So even whenever they do have a good season like they're having right now, you still have that thought in the back of your mind, well, it's the Browns. You know, I would. The, Brown, the Browns are a good team this year, but whenever the Browns are on TV this year, do you go, oh, let's go watch the Browns? Oh, with Flacco, I will. Now you will, yeah, because he had that one good week, the the week that He's finally that several. finally made you go, you know what? But there was one where he put up like last week, three hundred yards in the first half, they, where you go, wow, maybe the Browns are a contender this year. They put up it a lot of points. It took you until week seventeen to say, wow, maybe the Browns are a contender this no, year. No, once- that's what it was. Once, once uh, you know... How many times have we talked about the Browns on the show this year? Minimal. We, our, our boss, Rob, is a proud Brown fan. Mm-hmm. And I remember the heartache of Cleveland fan. Great comparison. And you being a Denver fan, you know the lore of, Chicago, of, of Denver v. Cleveland mm-hmm. with the drive and then the fumble. Yes. So, and those were back-to-back years. Uh, way, way, way before what young Elijah Herbal was born. In, in Broncos fans' memory, they like those memories, but you don't ask about the Super Bowl two weeks later? No, you don't. Because they got killed in both. Bludgeoning by your friend Tom Rathman. <laughs> Is Tom Rathman one? Was it, the, was it Washington in the other? Was it the, the Cowboys was, in the other? No, it was. Because they've, they've been bludgeoned multiple times. No, it, it, it was Washington one year uh, where your friends jumped out 10 nothing and then got ripped by Doug Williams and then... Uh, San Fran hung a, a fitty spot on him, and I think that was Steve Young's first Super Bowl. So, yeah, anywho. We're, the, Bron- the Broncos, that, that is their tradition, is getting bludgeoned in the Super Bowl. Seahawks have done it. The Cowboys have done it. The 49ers have done it. Washington did it. Bron- but at least you got three. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> at least you got three. So where I'm going with this is your your excitement level versus your reserve. You don't want to get hurt again. Like, and, and this can, can cross over football, basketball, if you're a Nebraska fan, because 
of of how things have ended. You get emotionally invested as a sports fan, and then it goes sideways, and it goes sideways in a manner that it's one thing to lose. It's how you lose that is the PTSD effect on you as a Nebraska basketball fan. You're not quite ready to move on from what the hell happened against Minnesota and Creighton while still in the other column putting this win last night 86 to 70 in a super impressive category because of the four and five star talent Indiana has the way Indiana opened up uh, being able to go high low and just get you know a dunk contest going what Nebraska did was dominate defensively what Nebraska has is a style and an identity and as, as big of a mess as Indiana was turning the basketball over 19 times, those were forced. Nebraska had 15 steals. It was Nebraska's defense that caused a lot of the turnovers, and that turned into 27 points. Uh, he's not Rodman for his antics, but his game and his purpose for rebounding and being blue-collar, Josiah Alec was a party to watch last night. He is such a, a hustler and a great guy. I love him sacrificing his body and, and really clinging to that role uh, as a uh, kind of a Windex stopper slash uh, rebounder, and that's how he's going to get down and help this basketball team. Bryce Williams is a big-shot taker and maker, Uh, kind of a lull offensively in the second half. He had a big-time three to give Nebraska some breathing room, push the lead back up from 8 to 11. Uh, You have a guy in Jawan Gary that is really talented defensively and is such a a freak athlete, can get to the rim, can make some nice shots. And then you have Tominaga, Elijah, where he just went off. He loves the moment. He loves the stage. And he was on the right side of a streak. He was on a heater last night where he went absolutely off for 28 points and shot at a high level and took some good shots. But that's just it. This basketball team and their personality is defense first. Let's grind. Let's play physical. And they're also very mindful. They have not forgotten the lesson of Minnesota. You and I both three weeks ago said that's that's a loss if you don't fix it and get your arms around it can can turn your season on its ear well fred hoiberg fixed it they have a long enough memory to not get too cocky and think they've arrived they just keep on grinding which is what they need to be now we'll see how they handle saturday I want to give him congratulations, and that was fun. That was a great night of basketball to, to whack Indiana if you're a Nebraska fan like you did and to just kind of have it happen going away where you were, you were just able to strangle him and hit a lot of big shots. Fun moment uh, against a program, the stature and the talent level of Indiana. But now you got to regroup and go to Wisconsin, and it's going to be a rock fight. It's going to be the first team to 60 mm-hmm. probably on Saturday. And then you turn around, and here comes number one. Assuming they stay unscathed, then it's Purdue, where this place is going to be off the hook, wall-to-wall crazy. You go get a win Saturday against Wisconsin, and you got Purdue, number one in the country, coming to town. By the way, Nebraska's tied, three-way tie with Purdue and Ohio State for second through three games. But really what kick-started this thing was Michigan State in response 
to uh, the mess you left on the court against Minnesota. Well, and, and to get back to my original point about the Browns, I feel like both the Browns fan base and the Husker basketball fan base has this feeling of, you know what, we just can't have nice things around here. And you, you got the after Creighton and after Minnesota, you had that thought of, okay, you know what, this team is a paper tiger. They, they had an easy schedule, but then they start stacking some good wins together. They have confidence. They have confidence. And the question that remains now is, is this team different than all those teams in the years past that have caused you heartache? I mean, the the the, That's, the, the, the number one moment in talent my... Talent-wise, I mean, they're comparable to some of those early to, to mid-90s teams. None of which won an NCAA tournament game. No, they didn't. The season always has ended in hard They always kind of limped in, too, as an 11 or a 9 or an 8 seed. So it wasn't, with the exception of the 91 team that was a 3 seed, they got upset as a four, you know, by Xavier uh, and, and Pete Gillen. You know what? I don't know. Right now, the Athletic has Nebraska as a play-in. This was pre-New Year, pre-Indiana win. The Athletic has Nebraska as a play-in contestant with Washington in Dayton. So you're technically in the tournament. I think Nebraska's a better team than that. Uh, Well, right now I think they are. And I think the Big Ten's down, but I still think you're going to get seven or eight. I think the SEC's looking at eight or nine right now. Uh, I haven't quite gotten into full bubble watch mode, but I think Nebraska basketball has the talent, they have the pieces, and they can keep sending bodies at you. I mean, Rink, Rink came back with that knee issue Listen, I know he went three for nine or three for ten from the floor, but had a, a ton of rebounds. His presence there gave Nebraska a, a lift. Just his 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 persona and what he does in the paint. And when he when he did make shots, they were pretty key makes when, when you're in a back and forth game early. But it's all about Nebraska creating offense off their defense. They've grown up, right? They 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 took their misstep their screw up like a man and they've responded so far they're gonna have to do it again this year i mean they may have a season to remember they may have a banner year in the big 10 this year but there's still going to be some missteps because there's always a pitfall waiting in the big 10 on the road Mm -hmm. and it could be wisconsin it could be rutgers it could be some of these teams that that just have a good night and you don't because you're on the road or even if you you have a hiccup at home. That happens in the Big Ten. But I really am impressed with Nebraska, all of their uh, their pieces here. And I love what Fred's been able to do with this Nebraska team. And you want to talk about the mulligan, getting it right, brother, being able to go find people that fit in and buy in and, and accept their role. Uh, they may have had more talent for the next level in some previous seasons, but what a, what a mess it was chemistry-wise. You've got really good chemistry right now. And the most important thing is they, they, they don't run from the, the Minnesota memory. Mm. They, they say, yeah, dude, that was, that was awful, and I'm paraphrasing. But they, <laughs> they have that on the board, uh, I assume, right? Remember Minnesota. Every time they get out to the locker, from the locker room to the court, to start the second half. And, and that's what last night showed me. Last night showed me that the team we saw against Minnesota is not what this team is. But last night was not enough to show me that this is the team. And you know what I mean by the team. The team that finally gets over the hump. The, the team that finally gets that NCAA tournament victory. I still, I think they could. I, I think they could. I haven't seen it yet. I'm still waiting for a game. If they get a win what, against what, what Wisconsin. Makes you, what makes you hesitant? 
Just you haven't seen enough. The history, they haven't beaten enough. The history teams. of Husker basketball, the PTSD of watching this team for the past twenty four years. That you know, so what? you'll believe it when you see. We it. We can't have nice things, but they got two big opportunities. I think to show a lot of people in this fan base that you you are the team that could do it, and that's a road trip to Wisconsin, very very difficult matchup, and then a, a home game against the number one team in the country. Who, let's be honest, Nebraska under Hoiberg has done a good job against Purdue most times out. Nebraska, despite how bad they've been over the past couple years, seems to always be a thorn in Purdue's side. They, Purdue plays them a lot closer than other schools. I'm just throwing that out there. But I'm waiting for that, that, that moment against really quality competition that shows me, you know what, this team could be the team that he's ready for the, the lights of March. We'll talk uh, some football and portal names. Anonymous checks in with Nebraska winning a tournament game be a considerable sign of the apocalypse. Uh, we'll get into it. Hail Varsity continues. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Brandon Vogel with us from Counter Reed, counterreed.com. We're talking Nebraska basketball. If you're buying stock, or was last night a nice win, but uh, hang on on the statement part of it. Let's talk Wisconsin. Let's talk Purdue. David checks in on the stream. Strength of schedule is 158. So as of right now, he's thinking Nebraska needs 21 wins. A longtime connoisseur of Nebraska basketball. We'll get into some football as well. Brandon Vogel with us at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogues, would you, you can pick one, a flamethrower or a four-wheeler. Are you taking what? Uh, that was probably more of a more of a four wheeler. Although you know there was a moment early in the game last night where <clears throat> I forget the numbers exactly, but Nebraska was up by say seven, and I think they were plus nine in points off of turnovers. And, and this was maybe the first media timeout or maybe the twelve minute timeout. And I was like, because I tend to look at sports in a very boring, not exciting way. I was like, okay, so. Indiana's probably playing better straight up. Like if they just cut the turnovers, like, all right, this game probably comes back. It didn't come back. Like Nebraska kind of stayed in control, which I think was the big takeaway for me last night was like, okay, through, you know, through design or maybe some, some good luck or the combination thereof, which is happening in sports all the time. Uh, you've got this lead and can you kind of maintain it and, and stay in front and, and continue rolling downhill. And, and they did. So I thought I, I took it as, as a small step of progress. I think obviously their history against Indiana and where Indiana stands as a program historically is, is always going to catch, catch some attention. This, this Wisconsin game is, is obviously big in a, in a different perhaps more relevant challenge, but I think bracket matrix, which, you know, polls as many brackets as you can find out there. I had Nebraska as a 12 seed after last night, um, which so far feels, feels about right. I think for me, Nebraska basketball has gotten to a point where it's elevated. It's a game. It's still not good enough to beat teams with its B or C game. And that's okay. Like you can make the tournament that way. Um, you just got to you just got to play your close to your A game more often than you don't. And and so far they have, regardless of strength schedule. Brandon, are you prepared to say that this could be the team that finally ends the the drought for Nebraska in the NCAA tournament, or is that too early a conversation to be having? Yeah, it's probably probably too early to say that. 
Well, I, I would say I definitely don't feel confident saying, oh, yeah, they're going to – they're gonna. not only are they going to make the tournament, they're going to win. Like, based on what we've seen so far, if they make the tournament, you know, it's going to be in that – in that range. In fact, I would expect Nebraska based on what I've seen so far to improve from a 12 seed. If that's where we're theoretically slotting them now, not significantly, but slightly. Um, and you get into, you get into that territory or even a 12, five, you know, that's, that's kind of the classic one people are conditioned for of like, Oh, some 12 is going to be a five. So, so it depends on the matchup, but you're going to be in the range of a, a game. You, you, it wouldn't be shocking for, for a team like Nebraska to win. And they, the margin is still thin with this team. It, it comes down to um, how well they play, you know, night in and night out. And in a one-game setting in the NCAA tournament, it, that won't be any different. Brendan Vogel's with us from Hale Vars uh, from Counter Reed. Shoot me, Vogues. Um, one in the swear jar. That is. Uh, Nebraska one and one the next two games seems doable. Uh, and uh, Brandon checks in on the stream with that. So let's go from basketball, Vogues, to the portal, because I want to hit a bunch of stuff with you. We, we got a little bit of time. And what's your over-under on, on the five that are visiting this weekend? Uh, how many does Nebraska get? How many do they need to get? Um, I, I would put it at, well, if I was, if I was making a good over under, I'd put it at two and a half and, and personally I'd go, I'd go two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the numbers are just so tight and, and they're, they're constantly moving and you have the ability to move them yourself. So, so it's, it's hard to know one way or another, but I think we both look or both, we all look at this and say, okay, receiver, number one need probably. Uh, running back, not far behind. So if you got one uh, at each of those spots, I think at that point you can become pretty selective, which we already know is, is I think, where Rule wants to be in regards to the portal in general. So it might get, uh, <laughs> it might get a little bit interesting. It's a little bit different when you have all of those guys on, on campus at the same time. Um, but we, we, we saw Nebraska, at least based on, on Nebraska's version of events, uh, kind of make a tough call when it came to, to Kyle McCord and a guy that they had on campus. So I think I, everything I've seen is that they're pretty serious about, hey, we don't need a lot in this portal. Um, we're going we're gonna to make our moves, and, and if they play out, they play out. And if not, well, there's, there's, there's another portal window post-spring, and we'll see how things go over the next couple of months. Brandon, whenever you look at the, the five visitors this weekend, two linebackers, two wide receivers, and a running back, if Nebraska was only able to fill one of those needs, where do you think the most pressing need is? Yeah, I think it's still, I think it's still receiver. Um, and of that group it might go receiver honestly it might go linebacker for me personally you know i i said that line or running backs kind of the one that you can point to but that almost feels like a little bit of a luxury and, and i feel good enough about the linebackers that nebraska has on the roster or coming to the roster that it you could you could go into a new season feeling okay with that group. That said, if you found somebody who was a great fit there, 
um, it'd make you feel a little bit better. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at with running back too. So it's, it's a close race between those two, but for me, there's, there's just like adding a veteran wide receiver, adding a wide receiver with some proven production. Um, it's, it's, it's the biggest, it's the biggest need they have, I think in the portal and, and nothing I've seen comes that close to it. Vogues, do you like Banks and Naor? I mean, they're both tall, 6'3", 6'4", guys. I, I like the production of Naor at Wyoming. And I also, I mean, Banks has, has done some work at Wake. I mean, these are two nice options. Yeah, they, they, they both are. Um, Naor is um, perhaps, and this is my own maybe, cognitive bias but is is kind of cut from the classic cloth of a player i'm gonna like i mean that i think it was the 2021 season at wyoming he had 12 12 touchdowns like that's that's on, on 44 catches that's that's pretty big time production for an offense that doesn't throw the ball all that often and he was part of a group at wyoming that craig bowl did a great job of recruiting and identifying talent Unfortunately, in today's game, like they lost a bunch of that talent. I think it was that 2021 cycle um, lost a handful of guys to to bigger programs. And, and I was sitting there not thinking about Nebraska at any point, just looking at it from a football fan's perspective. And I was like, man, this really sucks for Wyoming. Like you got these dudes, you develop these dudes. And now given the state of the game, like they're all like, well, uh, Texas is interested, so so I think I'm going to head there. And Nayor did, and you know, injuries limited what he was able to do there. But when I look at what Craig Bowl did at Wyoming, but also throughout his own career, like his whole career, um, I see a lot of similarities to I think how Nebraska is trying to do things under Matt Rule. So that one not only has the production piece of it but I also give it at least a half check mark in terms of potential fit. So I think going into this, this weekend, he's probably top on my list of if Nebraska gets that guy, um, I'm going to consider it a successful weekend for the Huskers. Brendan, uh, your thoughts on Dylan Riola making a stop at Pinnacle Bank Arena last night. He was wearing the thickest winter coat I think I have ever seen, uh, but he was there talking with some of those portal guys, trying to make a bit of a splash and got his name up on the big screen a couple times too. Yeah, he did. Made the uh, made the little sizzle reel along with Casey's parents and uh, and Jordan Larson from one of the Nebraska accounts. I don't remember, probably the basketball account. In terms of look who's here, and I was like, boy, that's that's a lot for a guy who, uh, who who's just just enrolling in Nebraska. But that's that's where we are, and uh, you know that's that's kind of what you get when you sign a player of of that caliber, which you know. It hasn't it hasn't happened at, at Nebraska prior to this, so I I like that piece of it. Like I mean, it's it's been consistent with him on his many visits um, to to Nebraska. He, he's a guy who's going to be out there and, and be at these games. We'll see if that continues when you know he's the starting quarterback at some point. Who knows if that is is twenty twenty four or if it's beyond. Um, and we're all analyzing every single thing that he does. But for now, I like it. Um, I, I, I like a guy who's out there just be like, hey, there's a basketball game tonight. I'm going to go because I like to watch sports. Vogue's college football playoff, Michigan, Washington. You're as big a Kalen DeBoer guy as I am. Uh, we're smiling for the Midwest, uh, South Dakota guy. 
Uh, how do you feel about Monday? Uh, very, very happy for, for Kaylin DeBoer, a person who doesn't know I exist, but uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely have watched his career from the NAIA days and, and remember him from them and have, have long been a, a fan of, of what he's able to do at his, his various stops. Um, it's tough to go against Michigan at this point for me. Mm-hmm. Um they all all season long they had numbers that you know you could you could look at and maybe discount a little bit based on strength of schedule and then of course there's a whole sign stealing aspect of of this the the allegations of that um and like if you remove all of that stuff um their numbers are like Georgia in 2021 level good in, in most aspects and for them to find a way to, to beat Alabama. I, I really felt like Michigan controlled that game. Um, but because you're playing Alabama, because you're going against Nick Saban, the, the Tides still found a way to have the upper hand in the second half. And they, and they battled through that and, and, and found a way to win that game. As much as, um, I guess, just as a fan, as a person, I'll be probably rooting for Washington. It's, it's hard for me to go against Michigan. Um, I think they'll just be able to line up and run it and uh, control the clock a little bit. Um, and unless Washington is just going to score the way they did against, like, way they did against Texas, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough for the Huskies. Vogues will check in Saturday. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Hail Varsity Radio is live now. Back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Brandon Vogel from Counter Read. Counterread.com is where you can check his work out, Aaron Sorensen's work, and a lot covered there, Nebraska basketball. And, and the way he put it with Nebraska, if they're on their A game, they're pretty tough to deal with. Uh, that's uh, well said and very accurate. Can Nebraska keep on their A or B-plus game? How much of those uh, future contests in the Big Ten? You'll need you'll need something <laughs> Saturday against Wisconsin. I don't want to come across sounding like a non-believer in what Fred's done. I think Fred's done a great job uh, with this. And, you know, Brian checks in from the stream. You're welcome to, to join us. Hail Varsity YouTube channel, 489-1240 as well. Open phone still five. But uh, Brian hits on it, and I think there's a a similar feeling with a lot of Nebraska basketball fans. I'm just glad Fred figured out how to build a Big Ten-worthy roster, and he touched on Matt Abdelmassi in his recruiting, almost costing Fred his gig. Uh, And there was just a lot of angst, talent that wasn't translating. Football, uh, you have the portal, and basketball's been doing the portal for a long time, Elijah. Uh, football's catching up quickly. And five visitors for Nebraska and Aor, uh, Jamal Banks out of Wake Forest, Dante Dowdell, the running back from Oregon, uh, Alexander, the uh, linebacker from Idaho. You have Stephon Thompson, the backer from Syracuse. And if you're to draft one of these five that you can get, you can lock up for Nebraska, who is it? And I'm going to go Naor. Uh, I'm going to say that because of his production. Vogues sold me 
I look at 12 touchdowns and around 1,000 yards. That's impressive in the Mountain West. It's more impressive. Uh, 12 touchdowns and 1,000 yards are nearly about 878. Uh, that's like going for 1,500 in the Craig Bowl. We're going to uh, grind you into a pulp offense. Um, so that is – that. that I, I, I like the, the proven production. Um, so the wide receiver there is important. Man, I, I just said give me Nayor. How do you argue against Dowdell, though, with that running back room? Because you're leaving it up to – Ives, you're leaving it up to Emmett Johnson, and then you're praying uh, Ramirez and Gabe Irvin come back healthy. And while they can start out healthy, do they stay healthy? I might switch my, my vote like a wuss and say, give me Dowdell first, because I think the running game's that much of a reality you need that with what you're going to ask the quarterback to do and what you got coming back in the offensive line give you a strong run game if you're nebraska and Dada. give me Dadell first and then second pick is going to be nayor fair enough i'm i'm with you in terms of i'm struggling at the top whether Dowdell is one or two because i liked what i saw from Emmett or, or are we sleeping on banks I was going to go there. Okay. Uh, Nayor's not my, my top receiver. I like Banks a lot more. I'll get there in just a second. Uh, Dowdell is a guy, though, that I see him potentially being like a day one starter with the injuries to Irvin, the injuries to Ramir, a guy that steps in. But then I also look at it, another year development with Emmett Johnson. Are you fine rolling with Emmett Johnson? And, and maybe Ives is going to be ready by the time next year rolls around to be a guy that can step in and be your number two back. There's question marks in that running back room that I think the coaching staff has a much better idea of than me, um, just in terms of the, the need that Dowdell fills. I think Jamal Banks would step in and fill an instant role in the wide receiver room, and that's why I think he's probably my top guy. Because we saw it last season. We saw it on the field. We saw it whenever we go back and rewatch games. You saw it live. Nebraska's receivers, whether it be through scheme or by the end of the year, some guys actually with some, some individual ability, were able to get open last year. There was an issue with the quarterbacks being able to get them the ball and these guys being able to get open consistently. I, I foresee some development there. But what Jamal Banks brings that I don't think Nebraska has in their wide receiver room is that ability to turn a 50-50 ball into a 70-30 ball. Okay, He's got that damn near 6'4 frame, over 200 pounds, and I know that uh, uh, Nayor has that as well. But Banks, his ability to go up and high point a ball, you can see it on film. I really like that about him. I don't think Nebraska's got a guy in the wide receiver room right now that can turn a 50-50 ball into better. And I think that's important for a freshman quarterback to just have a guy. I mean, you saw it with the Broncos this year in Cortland Sutton. Whenever the play was breaking down, Russ was scrambling. His eyes went to one person, Cortland Sutton. Where's Cortland Sutton, that guy? Throw it up to Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton came down with those 50-50 balls a hell of a lot more than 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. Helpful for a freshman quarterback to have. I mean, that, that a, a freshman quarterback's best asset, his best friend, is the running game. Yes, it is. And that's why I look at Dowdell. But then I also go, whenever the play does break down, it's third down, third and seven. You need to pick up a first down. You need to extend the drive. It's nice to have a guy that you can turn to to say, hey, if no one else is open, I'm going to throw it to you. And I'm going to trust that you can turn a 50-50 ball into something a little better. Give me the run game over the pass game. Fair enough. Des- despite the arm talent that's going to be in the room, Banks, just giving you a, a look-see on his numbers, four touchdowns last season, almost 60 catches, just shy of 700 yards. 
when he had Hartman there throwing to him before he went to Notre Dame, the guy led Wake with nine touchdown receptions and, again, 636 yards receiving. So he's had two good years in ACC competition, and Wake was knocking on the door of a you know top 25, top 15 finish in 2022 before Hartman took off in 2023. So, you know, Wake's been a, a pretty explosive offense. So uh, from, a, from a competition standpoint, is it fair to lean that your ACC is a better league than the Mountain West? Maybe that's presumptuous. But just from a, an athlete v. athlete, you're going to get more Power 5 versus Group of 5. And Vogues would come through the computer screen on me right now and say, not so fast on that. And Dolman would come at you and say the Group of 5 is a made-up term, which he's right. He, he is. He is. So I got to go run game over pass game. But I think I like the upside and the talent of Dowdell, and I like his his combo, his speed and his uh, size. I like that. While I think I'm I'm more confident in what I have in the running back room. I like Emmett Johnson, and I like his experience more than I like the wide receiver room. I, I'm, I'm a complete contradiction right here. And, and I understand where you're coming from, but I see adding a running back as insurance to what you already have, whereas I see adding a wide receiver as being a, another piece for your offense. Because I'm not, I mean, if, let's say, Gabe Irvin comes back in his full strength next year, did you see enough from him to think he can be the starter? Maybe. Do you see Emmett Johnson with any of your production being the starter? Maybe. I think if they just... I think there's talent in that room. I think there's less current known talent in the wide receiver room uh, and I think that Banks goes and fills the need. I'm not sure Dowdell does because if guys come back healthy, which is a big if, is he surplus to that room or is he your starting guy? I don't know. I, I love the experience. The I, li- I like the experience in the running back room way more mm-hmm. than I do the the wide receiver. That, that's room. what I was trying to get at. No, yeah. the, the, that's that's kind of the just if you're Nebraska, just handle your business this weekend. Get who you want. Get all five. Get yeah, get all five, right? And go uh, go help supplement your linebacker room. I think a veteran voice in the wide receiver room is important. Uh, I think you've got some guys with that veteran mentality in the running back room. We'll wind down hour one on the way. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Uh, Brandon checks in uh, with uh, what he wants from your three core guys on offense. 1,200-yard uh, back, a wideout with 1,000 yards. That number two wideout, 500 yards receiving. Dion checks in, and you know what? We're talking a lot of basketball this first hour. We've switched to... Once in needs, portal-wise for Nebraska with five visitors. We'll spend time with Mitch Sherman in 10 minutes, get his take from The Athletic. And Dion has a mindset and thought process similar to Nebraska fans with Gabe and Ramir. Can they make it through a whole season? They've been pretty injury-plagued, and when Ramir was available, they didn't use him. <laughs> they didn't use him a whole hell of a lot in 2022. So... Uh, compared to his usage in 2021. So uh, the passing game is is going to be there, and I think it's going to be important to 
be able to, to play action still. And Elijah, you've got a lot of linemen, man. They got a lot of a lot of tread on the tires, but also they they've got mileage. They they've got experience. Can they maximize what they're gonna be so you are ground and pound? I agree. You want to be a team that's putting things away and smash mouth football in it in the fourth quarter when you got a lead. You need to be able to to pass the football. You need to be a balanced offense. And and there's a great point that Mad Piper brought up in the stream here. We need the passing game to open up the run game, otherwise opponents will load up the box and shut down our run game, uh, which won't include quarterbacks next season. So that's from Mad Piper. I tend to agree with that. Not saying you need to go pass heavy, but like look at the the explosive nature. A pass. The explosive nature of the offense that Matt Roll wants. You as a safety have to play the run a lot differently whenever you know there's a threat that Jalen Lloyd or Malachi Coleman are going to be running a post down the middle of the field right behind you if you step up too hard in the run game. You know what? You see that run action? You're, you're flowing fast downhill, and then boom, they hit you over the top for Jalen Lloyd. You have to play it so differently as a defense, and it opens up more in the rushing attack for you if you have that downfield passing attack, which is what Matt Rule wants. Matt Rule's not going to be a dink and dunk passing attack. He wants to be an explosive passing attack that whenever they do hit you, sort of like Washington whenever they go to, to, to Rome. Like, mm-hmm. like, whenever they go find him, it's a first down, and it's usually 20-plus yards. Well, the explosive nature of that opens up so much of, of what they want to do running the football and what Nebraska probably wants to do running the football in the future. Do you agree Nebraska has some special athletes at wide receiver? Absolutely. Right? I mean, they have freak athletes. And look with Lloyd, right? Three catches uh, for touchdowns of over 50 yards. Him and uh, Starvin Marvin Jr. did that. But – on those catches, specifically, I think the Wisconsin game, that was a simple route. There was separation. There was a, a play downfield. He caught it in stride. He made a move. And it was a simple pass and catch that there was time to throw. You made the completion. And then you let Lloyd do the rest of the work. It doesn't have to be super complicated. But you talk about that balance came off of play action. Yeah. That's the wrong bed to play there. You're fine. Uh, Also, you look at Malachi Coleman's deep touchdown against Purdue. Came off the play action. The the balance is very, very important, and I think Nebraska is closer back to the the tier rankings for what we want in the portal. I think Nebraska is closer to having the rushing attack that they want than they are to having the the downfield options that they want. Well, they, they need a quarterback to go execute it. I think they've got guys to catch the football. Mitch Sherman, hour two. Hail Varsity rolls forward, powered by Cornhead Lager. It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchie. Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchie. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking big red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hail Varsity Radio. Well, we missed him since we were slacking our two-a-tail varsity radio. Powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. And Mitch has been busy, man. He's watching Husker basketball. He's checking in on the college football world. He's tracking what's happening with Nebraska football at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how are you? Thanks for the time. Happy New Year. I'm good, Schmidt. How are you? Happy New Year to you. We are doing all right. We've had some fun discussion in this first hour with some Nebraska basketball thoughts after the the Indiana win. Uh, we're kind of 
doing our portal draft, and we're arm wrestling here over the top style, me and Elijah, uh, with uh, running back or wide receiver, most important. And uh, I, I, there's a thing, ton of things to get to with you. Really awesome story you did with The Athletic and Nick Henrich, uh, his time in Lincoln. But I want to start with hoops. And this is what we kicked off the show with uh, last night. Nice win or more than that? Is it a, a, a bit of a statement last night? Or is – why am I echoing? Oh, you're good. Okay, you, you flipped over. That's fine. <laughs> uh, nice win or uh, – All right, we're better now. Yeah. I'm sorry about that noise. No, you're good. Nice win or more than that if, if uh, you're looking at, at the win over Indiana. I think it's more than that. I mean, I don't think we should should take away, um, you know, take away from the accomplishments of this team because we've seen Nebraska basketball ex- excite people before and then go down in flames. This is not that team, and there really aren't any players on this team who have put Nebraska fans through the misery that into to be a fan of this program. So these guys deserve to have a clean slate and they deserve to get a lot of credit for what they did last night and, and not just beating Indiana, but really dominating Indiana. You know, there was nothing fluky about that game. Nebraska controlled it from the first or second media timeout and, you know, just didn't let Indiana get any kind of footing. And, and, as you guys know, it's a talented Indiana group. This isn't one of those Indiana teams that's down because of a coaching transition and just doesn't have the typical talent that the Hoosiers bring to Bloomington. They've got four and five star players on that team, and you know, regardless of whether they're playing well or not right now, um, they can go off at any time and 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 just beat just about anyone in the country. So for Nebraska to win by 16 at home. Is um, is a great accomplishment, and it should be viewed as that by Nebraska fans. Mitch, uh, a conversation we've had both with Mike Babcock yesterday, a little bit with with Brandon Vogel earlier, is at what point can or should we start discussing the NCAA tournament viability for this Husker basketball team? Husker fans have been waiting for a long time for that team, that one team that it's finally going to get over bubble the talk and get the win. Man. At what point can we start talking about that? Is now the time? Is it after they play Wisconsin and Purdue and we see those results? What is the time for you? Yeah, I, I mean, talk about it now. Because I, if you can't talk about it, then what fun is it to, to, to watch this team? And what fun is it to really be – uh, a fan of college basketball. I think you should be able to talk about it. Now, if the team's 2-12, and 12, you, you probably it's not a realistic conversation. But um, they're, they're obviously on a track that puts them in the conversation. So I say talk about it. It doesn't – I don't think it does – it doesn't do anybody any good to say we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, maybe it saves you some agony and, and some of the heartache if things go – the wrong direction, like if Nebraska experiences a string of injuries or they go through a funk where they lose six out of seven games and fall way off the bubble, then you can say, uh, you know, well, you know, I never got my hopes up, so it doesn't hurt as much. But that's not how fans should 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 look at the process, man. You gotta, you need to like always go all in when you have the opportunity and and embrace the pain if the pain does come because it's going to make it feel that much better when you get to that day when 
um, it, when you know when when your team does experience success. It's the same way with Nebraska football. Like you know, you should continue each year to to you know within reason believe in the things that you see, and then when the team finally does live up to the expectations or at least uh, you know show positive movement like in this case make a bowl game you're gonna you, you know you're gonna be there and you're gonna be able to enjoy it as much as you should so that's how I feel about uh, NCA tournament talk with Nebraska basketball go ahead go all dive in and you know if you end up getting hurt because of that well then so be it well there's next year if it doesn't happen again but man you got uh number of seniors here and you put a good collection together of guys that just have all sorts of roles they're comfortable with and executing mitch sherman's with us from the athletic it's hail varsity radio so mitch gonna go to to football now and mitch sherman is on the clock the top portal pick for you is who this weekend if you can get a guaranteed yes from one of the five visitors. God, I need the NFL draft sound to be pulled up. Mitch Sherman is now on the clock. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, I, I need, I'm going to need the real music. That's not uh, <laughs> that's not putting me in the right in the right frame of mind. Uh, <laughs> um, it was pretty good though. No, it yeah, wasn't. I liked it. No, it. It was fine, but you know, it, it could be better. I mean, when I, we need we need Roger Goodell standing at the podium, getting booed. Um, yeah, I you know. I, I'm going to go with receiver, um, you know, and I haven't studied the two who are in there, Isaiah Nair from Texas and Jamal Banks from Wake Forest. I haven't studied tape on the two of them and, and looked at the two of them deeply enough to know who's viewed necessarily as a better prospect. Nair does have an ACL injury that he suffered a couple of years ago, and it's been it's been – you know, more than a season now since he went through that. So there shouldn't be, as long as the, the knee healed, there shouldn't, and the surgery was done right, there shouldn't be leftover from that. It's not necessarily a red flag um, as long as he passes the inspection from your medical staff if you're in Nebraska. Um, either one of those guys, they're both big-bodied receivers who are experienced. Nayer's a sixth-year senior Banks is a fifth-year senior. They're six three, six four, over two hundred pounds. Um, you know, in the mold of what Nebraska's had in the past in bringing in portal receivers like Samari Toure. Um, these guys are a little bit bigger than him, uh, but he was a crafty receiver who who just did the job for Nebraska and was a leader in doing it. A professional, like this is what this this is what it is. That when when Samari Toure came in from the FCS level. He was looking for one year to boost his NFL stock, be a professional before he was in the NFL, and that's exactly what he did. And 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 he used it at, perfectly to, to leapfrog into into pro football. It's like the perfect case study. I mean, you can and it was a different coaching staff, but you know you could you can use that in 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 recruiting these guys and say you know Nebraska's not had a lot of success in sending quarterbacks to the NFL. It's not had success recently in sending running backs to the NFL, but at receiver, they, they've done it, and they've done it by bringing guys in from the portal to play one season. So um, that, that's, that's what your aim is with either one of those two. I mean, if there's a way where Nebraska could get them both and have – you could put them both on the field at the same time, and there's enough room. You know, there's not experience 
at all, much at all, back at that receiver spot, the receiver spots. So if there's a way to get them out there at the same time, bring them both in, um, and then have Malachi Coleman and Jalen Lloyd and Jaden Doss and Demetrius Bell, the young guys in that room, Alex Bullock will be a fa- will be back and be a factor, and have all of those guys in complementary roles and allow them to continue to grow until the day when those second-year receivers can be number ones and number twos. And I think that's just that's the best-case scenario for everyone. So one receiver out of those two is, is the number one thing that I think Nebraska has to get out of this weekend, and, and then getting both of them would be a, would be a coup. Mitch, whenever I, I look at this, I, and I'm with you, I have receivers as my top choice in the portal, but I also play devil's advocate with myself and say, well, a young quarterback, what's his best friend? A strong rushing attack. And you think about a strong yeah. rushing attack and better quarterback play could potentially elevate the wide receivers that you have in your room, make them look better than what we saw last year on the field. And I go, well, maybe it is the running backs. But I, I don't think you can necessarily go wrong between the, the running back and the wide receiver if, if you get one of those two. I don't think... Either would be bad, but I'm with you, and I think wide receiver is probably the top priority. Yeah, and 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 Dante Dowdell, um, the running back who's who's coming to visit, who spent last year at Oregon and is a was a former four star prospect out of the state of Mississippi in high school. Uh, you know, he's a big target too, and and, and of great importance because of the situation at running back that Nebraska is facing. I mean, if you're just talking about the spring, then they're in. They're in all kinds of, you know, there's there's all all kinds of uh, concern about how Nebraska is going to put running backs on the field in the spring. But that's not that's not real really the concern. Um, you know, the quality of play in the spring game, it's it's one day that's going to be forgotten when that day's over. You know, what's important is where Nebraska's at in the fall with its roster, and presumably at that point you have a healthy Gabe Irvin and a healthy Ramir Johnson back and. And Emmett Johnson is there, and Quentin Ives is there. So as long as everything stays status quo, and those two that I mentioned first rehab through their injuries in, in a in a positive way, then I don't I don't think you're you're in as much of a bind to come August at running back as you are at receiver without bringing in a transfer. But having having a nice a nice addition at the running back spot right now, it surely wouldn't hurt. And and you know I think it would be a a, a you know, a, a great piece for Nebraska to add to complement this recruiting class and whatever it can do at the, at the wide receiver spot. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic at Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch, you're going to shift, and you did a feature and a sit-down with uh, Nick Henrich, a uh, talented linebacker from Burke that gave his all for Nebraska, and hopefully folks have read that uh, from you with the Athletic. But what did you take away? What did you learn from Nick about his – ups and downs in Lincoln. Yeah, there just aren't very many guys who've been through everything that he went through in a college career. You know, other than, than winning, you know, which which seems like it's the ultimate goal um, for a college player to, to cap his experience, and, and it, it is. And, you know, Nick Nick missed out on that in his, in his five years at Nebraska. Didn't get to go to a bowl game, didn't enjoy a winning season, and that's, you know, that's really unfortunate. But um, aside from that, you know, he just about everything that could happen to somebody happened to him. With the injuries, and his injuries began even before he got to Nebraska. He tore PCL in one of his knees when he was still in high school. He tore another PCL during the COVID year in 2020. And, you know, those were injuries that, that, that didn't really, you know, they don't, he didn't have surgery 
Um, he just let them heal naturally, but didn't have the stability in his knees because of those injuries, and, and ultimately it led to the ACL um, that he suffered in his right knee against Purdue in 2022, and, and then he tore it again um, in the Wisconsin game this year in overtime on that on that fourth down run that 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 you know helped Wisconsin beat Nebraska again, and it's just it's kind of a tragic way for for a great career to end. And, and I say great because of just the leader that he was in the program. You know, he's the only guy who returned as a captain from last season and, and, and then he, you know, continued to earn the respect of his coaches and teammates and got voted a, a single digit recipient. That's after going through the rehab that he, that he went through from the first ACL injury. So you know, his knees were, were, were such in such bad shape after, after all of this, that he didn't have a choice. You know, Nick would have liked to have had a pro day and to have, you know, given the NFL a shot or, or you know, maybe considered coming back like Ty Robinson for a sixth year at Nebraska. But at, w- once he went down in the Wisconsin game, there, there was no option for him. He pretty much had to give up football or, or risk, you know, having a difficult time, you know, doing simple tasks like walking. Um, you know, down the road when he was older because of all the trouble that his, his knees have given him. So, um, you know, he sacrificed a lot, obviously, for the Nebraska football program. And, you know, it was interesting to hear him at the end spell all of that out, talk about his decision to hang it up, and also talk about Matt Rule and the transition that Nebraska's been through in the last year and his thoughts on Tony White and this, uh, and this defense moving forward. Does Nick have plans after college now that we know the football career is over? Yeah, he's going to work in the athletic department um, this spring. He's great. Nick, Nick graduated almost two years ago. You know, that's that's the <laughs> that's a common tale um, today in college football with the players who who played through the COVID season and have this extra year of eligibility. They're they're long ago graduating. He's not on Casey Thompson's level where he's you know going to be he would be working on working on a second master's or a doctorate if he was back in school. But uh, he's been he's been uh, he's been out of out of you know the undergrad program for a long time and he wants to go or at least he wants to give athletic administration or athletic business um a shot so trev alberts told him whatever we can do for you um you know come on in so nick's gonna work um in the in the athletic department and uh get his get his feet wet in that area and you know we'll see him around for sure um and that's good for him and, and good for nebraska football he's not completely uh completely going to be gone it's Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, thanks for making time today and jumping on with us. We'll get caught up next week and uh, should be a pretty entertaining weekend between basketball and football and uh, the, the portal visits. Thanks for jumping on, man. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. There he is. Mitch Sherman with us, joining us here on Hale Varsity. We'll get the lowdown here on what to do from a – quarterback standpoint the playoff outlook in all things college football Gary Barnett with his next detail varsity we're powered by Cornhead Lager and now and now back to Hale Varsity Radio thanks for hanging out it's Hale Varsity we're powered by Cornhead Lager Chris Schmidt Elijah Herbal watch the show on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel Hail Varsity Radio, Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Hall of Fame coach, Colorado Northwestern, 
and uh, excited to have him in with us uh, this new year. Gary Barnett joins us. Coach, how was the new year? Did you fire any fireworks off? No, Chris. Uh, my dad taught me a long time ago about fireworks. He just took a dollar bill, lit it, and watched it burn. He says, that's all you get for it right there. So I have never done that since. So no, no fireworks. Just, uh, you know. I can't even remember what we did. Well, that, now it's not TV even a, shows. It's not even a one dollar bill anymore. Now it's a twenty or a fifty. It, it is. Yeah, oh, I know. No, no question. But I'm I'm not about to burn a twenty. Well, so. good good on you. And I'm a little surprised being a guy from Missouri in fireworks. I mean, that was I, all. I know you're right because it was all around us, and you can drive to Missouri and get all the fireworks you want. You go everywhere; it's got fireworks. But you know that that uh, that just sort of was ingrained in me, and I've never had that interest (laughs) well good on you uh how do you fix or can you uh fix things in the future here with opt-outs bowl games nil the portal this bowl season was a mess aside from the playoff yeah it probably was and you know i i actually appreciated kirby smart's press conference um when he said what he said, the, the issue is no one's in charge and no one has the power to be in charge. And so these kinds of decisions, no one even knows who, who has the ability or the power to make these kinds of decisions. And so um, it's, it, it, you know, it comes down to, I mean, what is it that you could really change? And probably the only thing that you could change I would say it would be the portal. You could change the date on the portal so that it doesn't happen until after the bowl season. But then everybody who's trying to transfer and get in second semester somewhere, you know, he'll have a lawsuit. Um, I don't know what it is about, about it. I mean, we've let this happen to ourselves. We've watched it for years, you know, ever since McCaffrey um, uh, Christian McCaffrey bailed out because of the draft. Um, then it's become, you know, on one side people think it's, it's atrocious and shouldn't happen. On the other side, people think it's a smart thing to do. And it's just that we've put so much on this December uh, calendar that we can't control it. And I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think if I were given the, the position to where I had to figure it out, I could figure it out. But I don't know right off the top of my head what it is you do. The only thing that's controllable, I think, right now is the portal date. And, you know, that probably would bring about the lawsuit I was talking about. Gary, what do you make of the idea that I've seen floating around, which it also has its issues, but you move bowl season back in order to to help the December backlog. You put it in late January, early February, and have it at that point, and then for those teams, maybe take away a couple spring practices so they don't have such a, a crazy spring workload. But you just move bowl season back. Thoughts on that? No, I haven't even thought about that, Elijah, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, that makes it a really long year. You know, that's a lot of contact. That's a lot of practices. That's a lot of, you know, the. Uh, I mean, the games would still be affected by the transfer portal, bowl games. Uh, you know, a lot of the guys would be gone. You know, I, I guess it looks like we just have to accept the fact that the bowl season is not 
what it used to be, and it's probably never going to be what it used, it's used to. And I think when you do the 12-team playoff, it makes them even a little more insignificant. And it's a shame because, as you know, all these bowls are associated with with some charity, some sort of charity. And so uh, for charities to lose their opportunity, um, you know, to have these bowl games and, and reap the rewards from them, it, it, it's sad to see it happening. But I don't know that there's any other way to do it right now. Coach Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio, talking some college football to the playoff we go. What do you think of Michigan, Bama, and Texas, Washington? We'll get to Monday in a moment. Well, like everybody, it's just two great games that come down to the to the last play of the game, and both of them, uh, I, you know, both both games showed warts and issues with with all four teams. Um, you know, it's it's. You can't play a perfect game, no matter who you are and uh, what your name on the jersey is. For Michigan to survive all those special teams gaffes and win the game, for Alabama to have the bad snaps that cost them dearly on the last play, especially, you know, for uh, Texas to get the opportunity of a lifetime on a rule that none of us have ever seen. When one of their, you know, when Washington executes its uh, kill the clock, uh, you know, to use up the clock perfectly, and then all of a sudden one of their players gets hurt, and and we have a rule that that uh, has probably never ever been used. And all of a sudden, how many how many years have we been around this game, guys? Lots. And to, I've never seen that happen. And so you go, well, we got to change the rule. Well, you'd think in 90 years of football somebody would have seen this rule, but we haven't. So, uh, it, you know, it had a little bit of everything. I mean, I can't imagine if you're a college football fan that you just didn't spend about six or seven hours of your life just having a ball. It was good. We have seen Texas get a second back. Yep, we did. We saw Texas get a and they should have. No, I when know. You, when you watch the play unfold and you watch the clock, they should have gotten the second back, but then they couldn't make anything of it. My gosh, a team that's as loaded as they are. So, you know, it was had so much drama, and, you know, people love to watch the drama. They don't want the boring. They had drama, and it was there in both those games. Gary, whenever you look ahead to Monday night in the championship game, I still think college football is a game that's one in the lines of scrimmage. I think Michigan has the advantage there. But the question is, does Washington have the ultimate trump card with Michael Penix? I mean, the performance he put up in the Sugar Bowl was phenomenal, one of the best quarterbacking performances I've ever seen on that stage, at least uh, at the college football level. So uh, what's your outlook for Monday night? Well, first of all, Elijah, I think he's done that all year. Yes. He he has been the difference maker in every single game they've played. They also have an offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award, which was the most off, uh, outstanding offensive line in the country. So, you know, on paper that should negate uh, the defensive prominence of, of uh, Michigan. Who's going to win this game? Uh, gosh, I who, who knows? I mean, I, I think that Michigan – is overall top to bottom the best team, but when you got the receivers and the quarterback that you have in Michael Penix, and I I don't mind telling you I think he's the best player in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, then you don't know what's going to happen. You know they've won ten straight games with one score games, and 
you know, you can say, well, that tells you how close it could be, but it also tells you how good they are because if you can continue to do that 10 straight games and you got something going, you know, that means they're never going to give up in this game. So I don't know. I think the spread probably is about accurate. I think Michigan should, should be favored in this game, but, boy, it's hard to bet against Michael Penix and, and Ryan Grubb, who I believe is the best play caller in college football. If you think a team winning 10 straight one-score games is crazy, I wonder if it's ever happened to a team on the other end. I wonder if a team's ever lost 10 straight one-score games. No way. Well, I can't imagine who that would be. Take a drink. some research. Take a drink, Elijah. Man, Gary Barnett with his coach. I'm going to shift it here. A couple of minutes left, and thanks for making time today. You mentioned Penix, and he has been on a heater. We loved watching him when he was at Indiana. He was special, and uh, we really like Kalen DeBoer. There's some connection uh, with with how he's climbed the coaching ladder. Uh, he, he had a few Saturdays in Lincoln, right, uh, at the lower levels of college football. Sure. So he's somebody we're all rooting for. We really like what he's done. But when we look at the quarterbacks and we kind of project to the next level, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Penix, Shadour, McCarthy, Quinn Ewers. These are all guys that could move on, and some will move on, to the NFL. Uh, If you're getting a phone call from some of your NFL buddies, who do you like? Is it Penix, or do you like uh, maybe a a Caleb Williams? What a class, I guess, is what I'm asking for 2024, potentially moving on to the NFL. Yeah, I don't know that I could. I'll tell you, the, the guy that stands in and throws the football, Play after play is Penix. I mean, he is amazing. He split that that two deep mm-hmm. defense on that throw. It looked like a video game. <clears throat> but but all those other guys have great assets too. Bo Nix has great assets. You know, Caleb Williams, no question. Uh, you know, the, the 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 kid that won the high the Heisman, Jaden Daniels. I mean, that guy is special too. It, it would be hard for me to pick. I think it just depends on what what your scheme is, what your needs are. And, you know, whether, whether you'd rather play with an athletic, very athletic quarterback or whether you need somebody who will be disciplined in the pocket, make the moves that need to be made. And, you know, from that standpoint, Penix is about as good as you can get. The other guys are all guys that are going to get, get you out of trouble. Mm-hmm. But Penix, as you saw, I mean, he's only been sacked 11 times, guys. I mean, that's, that's amazing. He didn't get sacked the other night. That's amazing. <laughs> For a guy that throws the ball as much as he, he does, and it's got to be partially, of course, with his offensive line protection, play calling, but also himself. You saw him make that move to his right to get out of the way of the Outland Trophy winner and throw that strike in there. That was, that was, that was just magic. So I don't know which way you go with it. It just depends on what your needs are. So Monday night, about a minute left. Are you are you doing ribs? Are you doing tacos? How are you watching the title game? What's on the the, the menu? You know what? That's a to be determined, Chris. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that one. I, I I've got so much going on this week. I, it's I'm going one day at a time. So we'll just have to see what that one looks like. Heavy golf load. Oh, I'll be golf in the day. In everything, I've got visitors and okay. dinners and stuff. But uh, oh, I'll play golf in the morning. I'm not going to worry about that game till it comes on. All right. Well, that sounds like a win, man. I, I recommend hibachi. Hibachi. Why'd <laughs> you went to a hibachi party in Scottsdale? And I didn't were... know down there in Scottsdale they got like, you can rent out hibachi. They'll come to your place. It's crazy. Uh, you know, I'm seriously thinking about fondue. What do you guys think? I've never had it. Is it is it awesome? 
Uh, oh you're putting gosh. melted well, cheese on it, the it's best come items. Back of in course. the 60s, uh, the 70s, and the 80s. But yeah, it's good. But you know, it's a little, little old, guys. I was trying to make a joke, and you didn't. <laughs> no, I, no, I, 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 well, I, I know fondue, fondue was from the 70s. Hey, I'm but... not going to say no to melted <laughs> cheese on items. <laughs> He's never, I never fondued. Uh, so, yeah. well, good enough. Enjoy your uh, your weekend, Coach. Thanks for the time today. You got it, guys. Great being with you. See ya. There he is, head coach, Hall of Famer, Gary Barnett. Yeah, Barney's. <laughs> you ever <saw> fondue? <laughs> Hibachi. Uh, we will get uh, caught up. The world of Vegas. Daddy Burke, Burke's Best Bets, next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Gary Barnett. Can find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Subscribe to us, Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Also watch the show, the Hail Varsity Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Will Howard off to Kansas State. From Kansas State to Ohio State. Oh, you had me confused for a second. I screwed that up. I was like, wow, off to Kansas State. That's a shocker. (laughs) Yeah, well, right. He's back. No, uh, Pete Thamel reporting with ESPN 24-7 Sports uh, following that up. So, Will Howard's not going to the NFL, but he is going to Ohio State. Ryan Day got his quarterback. So, uh, they... uh, They'll um, they'll live to fight another day. Doesn't strike me as a major upgrade on McCord, though. Uh, I think Howard's. I think it's an upgrade. I'm not sure if it's the upgrade Ohio State was. I I don't know what Howard's going to have around him. Presumably, it's going to be awesome, but there's a lot being lost by the Buckeyes. Well, say hi to Daddy Burke, pride of Chicago. And Burke's best bets with this. Daddy, it is going to be a fun weekend with NFL, uh, it's been a good year for you with NFL and your college football picks. And I want to get your take here on some Sunday action and, of course, the college football playoff game. I, I went to the sports book and I went one and one. Washington hooked me up. Uh, Bama made me sad. Oh, Smitty, I know. I'm right there with my man. We were having a great bowl season until Alabama cut us short. And, look, it's not like you had the feeling that Alabama was the right side in that game. But simultaneously, I mean, Michigan had done so many things wrong that Alabama deserved to win. I mean, then they just did it right back. And, you know, they were they were not really trusting Milrow to throw the ball. And I don't completely disagree, but at some point you had to switch it up. And it's just, man, in that fourth quarter, uh, the game play, the game calling was just atrocious and the final play of the game was terrible and I realized that it was broken up a little bit but look I still think they should have done something where they rolled him out to the side but uh, regardless yes it's a, it's a little bit of a bummer but uh, two great games how about it right I think he can finally put the narrative to bed for most people that uh, it's a good thing Florida State was not in the college football playoffs. Mm. Danny what would, what uh, goes into your analysis with, with Monday? Let's go there. Yeah, so looking at this game, I mean, as you guys have very well known, I'm sure, you know, I've been a big Michael Penix guy because I took him to win Heisman about a couple months ago uh, before he became the short shot. And then about a week or two after I took him to become the Heisman or to win the Heisman, rather, that's when he started relatively keyword relatively struggling he wasn't putting up heisman-esque numbers but they were still winning and winning and 
it's really frustrating to see it now that everybody's going, oh, yeah, maybe this guy should have been Heisman after the bowl game. Like, you think? I mean, look, I get that Jane Daniels numbers were outstanding. I'm not going to, you know, be the old man shouting at the cloud. But I'm just a little bitter because of that. But to me, watching what Penix did against Texas wasn't anything new. This guy's incredibly precise. He has one of the prettiest balls. And he's always going to give Washington a chance to hang in any type of ball game. And, look, with this number at four and a half, I would lean toward the side of Washington here. I haven't bet anything yet. I'm going to wait to see where this momentum keeps going. Um, I do think Michigan ends up getting the job done. I mean, let's be honest. They're a lot more dominant in the trenches, and their defense is a lot better than Washington. So, again, the fact that you're getting four and a half because of what Penix presents, it does bring some attraction toward taking it, but... Again, I'm going to wait to see if I get a better number. But, guys, the, the angle that I think may be even better would be betting this total over. And the best number I see right now, it seems, is about 56. But kind of like I was just saying, I mean, look, Penix is good enough to get the job done regardless of what defense you're going up against. I mean, Michigan's going to have some great stands defensively. I don't deny that. But Washington is still going to get theirs at some point. And then for Michigan, J.J. McCarthy in this offense hasn't looked as lethal as we've projected, but they have a great matchup against this Washington defense that is always seemingly allowing their opponents in the game, allowing inferior offenses to keep up and move the ball downfield. And obviously a great example of that was the end of their last game against Texas. But that's what I think I'm going to end up doing instead is betting something with the total. And again, going to wait a little bit longer to see what kind of action we get on the weekend. But I think I'm liking the over in this game, fellas. It's, it's interesting. I kind of like the under. So I, I guess we'll see. Maybe you and I will have to do a little steak and a beer bet on the national championship. Good luck <laughs> collecting, Danny. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I've been I, – I haven't – you haven't wanted me to pay that. You haven't, you haven't tried to collect I'm me. joking. You're not you're – not, <laughs> you're not a welcher. You've okay. offered. Right. You're, you're good. I'm just giving you a little help. Danny, let's, uh, let's move to the weekend slate of NFL, and I – no, you have a new podcast breaking down the weekend slate of NFL action. But my general take to Schmitty off the air before we started this show was, man, I don't really care about week 18 in the NFL. There's not that many great storylines. Texans, Colts. Texans, Come on. Colts is all right. But Bills, Dolphins. Dave, just take us through the weekend slate. What games are actually appealing to you? And then uh, what, would you have any best bets for the weekend? Yeah, so week 18, though, is a little bit of a tricky one, and we all know why, right? Some teams are eliminated. You don't have incentives. Some guys are sitting out because their season's over or because they want to get rested for the playoffs. And so usually what I get into this week, it's a lot more quality over quantity. I'm picking even less than I normally do, but it was kind of the opposite for me this week. And it's not to say that I'm just blindly picking them and I don't think they're quality picks. I think they are. It's just a lot of situations match up well in my mind, and Look, Schmidt, you, you alluded to Houston and Indianapolis, and this is probably the one, I guess, where both teams is the important game that I do have a play on, and I'm going with the Houston Texans here. And I was a big naysayer on this Texans team heading into the year, but then when I started looking closer and C.J. Stroud started playing like an absolute stud and I got invested on D'Amico Hines, coach of the year, I was always keeping a closer eye on this team. And when you look at this matchup against the Colts, who has the advantages is what you got to ask yourself. And in terms of the quarterback, it's clearly got to be C.J. Stroud in the text. Yes, Gardner Minshew has been impressive. He's done what he's needed to. But in the important game with the pressure, I mean, you could make the case that, hey, it's a rookie with Stroud. But if we're going with just talent, you got to give it to Stroud in that regard. Defensive advantage also goes to Houston. Since week 13, the Texans are first in rush success rate defensively. 
second in DVOA run defense the entire year. And, yeah, Minshew, they're going to have him throw the ball, but with Taylor being healthy, a large part of their offense is probably going to want to be to rely on that rushing attack. So if the Texans can limit that, force some pressure onto Gardner Minshew, I think that gives them an advantage. So you give me the quarterback, you give me the defense, the coaches are at about a push right here. The fact that it's had a pick them, I'll take my chances here with the Houston Texans. So I snagged them on the money line at about minus 118. And that's the, uh, again, the important game that I made a play with. Uh, a not-so-important game also on Saturday. Steelers and Ravens. Now, we know that Baltimore is everything wrapped up, right? There's nothing really to play for. But I actually think this line is a little bit too high in favor of the Steelers. So there are some fours out there. I gave out three and a half. I still feel confident in three and a half. And the reason I'm taking Baltimore is despite starting, or uh, pardon me, sitting some of their starters, you have a guy in Tyler Huntley coming in who's there for a reason. He can run the exact same offense. He's a similar type of quarterback as Lamar Jackson. We saw him be implemented and do this last season. He played against Pittsburgh twice. One game they won 16-14. The other they lost 16-13. So both close games. And if we know anything with Harbaugh, it's they don't take these type of situations lightly, i.e. preseason. They're always a team that tries hard in the preseason. And another example is when they went overseas, when they played against Jacksonville, they had... Danny, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to interrupt. Hold that thought. Other side, we'll finish up here with Burke's Best Bets. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Final thoughts here as we wind down a Thursday at Tail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Daddy Burke with us, a gambling insider. Burke's best bets at Daddy Burke 5. Reminder to buckle up, use your seatbelt. It saves lives, it prevents injuries. Only if properly worn, make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office, the Pride of Chicago. Daddy Burke with us. Daddy, I uh, stepped on your toes. We had a hard out. Forgive me. You were talking Baltimore. About three minutes here. I need to know about my Dolphins. Uh, I've been a Dolphins fan since Marino and Clayton and Duper and uh, Snowflake the Dolphin. Uh, I don't feel good. Buffalo always finds a way to make me cry. Danny Walsh, let you finish (laughs) your point on Steelers-Ravens if you have any more to say. Yeah, so really quick, just to sum that up, guys. So taking the Baltimore Ravens plus three and a half despite them sitting their starters, I think they want to try to avoid their division rival getting into the postseason and and really go into the postseason on a high note. You don't want a couple of weeks off after a loss and your guys being really rusty. Yes, they're sitting a handful of them, but – what I was going to say about the international game, just to kind of give you an idea, is they made sure to get there a week early, unlike what happened a couple of years ago when they went like the Friday before, and Harbaugh made note of that and wanted to adjust, and he did, and they won. Same thing with these playoffs. When they lost after having the bye, they didn't really care about that last game, and then they lost to the Titans. So I think they are still going to take this seriously with the guys they have playing. So uh, for that and many other reasons, I like taking the Ravens over the key number of three. Uh, as I mentioned, taking the Texans over the Colts. Uh, we'll get to a couple more in a sec. You mentioned Miami and Buffalo. This game, I was telling some other people earlier, guys, it's kind of just cracking me up because I'm in a position where I think Buffalo could represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. But at the same time, like it's not going to shock me if they lose this game and miss the playoffs. They're just such a conundrum in my handicapping right now because that's who Buffalo is. They're so Jekyll and Hyde, you don't know which team you're going to get. And you do see some support from the Sharper money on Miami, despite their injuries, 
coming down from the key number three. Now some spots have it at two and a half. I'm not touching it, guys. I'll probably look at some props, maybe with the quarterback's pass attempts, pass completions, or consider this total to the under since it's going to be that playoff type of atmosphere. But that's going to be an absolutely great game. Uh, as a Bears fan, you guys know I'm looking forward to Chicago and Green Bay. Got to take the points with my Bears. This is their Super Bowl. Keep the <laughs> Packers out of the playoffs. And then Las Vegas and Denver. Sorry, Elijah. Got to fade your Broncos here. Uh, the boys are playing for Antonio Pierce to keep his job. I laid two and a half with Las Vegas as well. You're sleeping on Jarrett Stidham. Keep a... sleeping. Where does <laughs> where does Russell end up? Can, can, can you see him landing in Pittsburgh for Tomlin? Um Man, I mean, I guess I could. It's just like, who actually wants to take that on right now unless they really think they can make something happen? I, I, Your guess is as good as mine, but it's got to be some team like that where you already have plenty of weapons and a fairly sturdy defense. Where, whereas Denver, yeah, you got some, but clearly not enough. So uh, whoever gets some uh, good luck at, uh, at that point. Danny, 20 seconds. Tell folks about your podcast, your website. How can folks get locked in with you? Yeah, so the website, birchbeat.com, still going to be writing articles, but finally, uh, you know, mustered up the motivation to get the podcast going. So it's just called Birchbeat, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Also, the link on Twitter at DannyBurch5. Appreciate you guys as always. Well, love you too, Danny. Be good. Have a great weekend. And I will be texting you again for uh, gaming advice <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> I will. Absolutely. Let's hope the results are better than what the Crimson Tide did. Uh, Danny, will, Danny will get his 15% from me. I love it. Danny, you take care. <laughs> you bet, guys. Have a good one. All right. Back at you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. A Huda Media Production.